Hello and welcome to the Amped About Movies podcast. Today we'll be discussing the 2014 film Whiplash. This movie was written and directed by Damien Chazelle and stars Miles Teller and J.K. Simmons. For a quick synopsis of the plot, a promising young drummer, played by Miles Teller, enrolls at the Cutthroat Music Conservatory where his dreams of greatness are mentored by an instructor who will stop at nothing to realize a student's potential. So, real quick, we're going to go around and get everyone's first impressions, and as per tradition, we'll be starting with Colin. I know. I, was it weird last week, like, not going to me first? <laughs> we, we still started with you, actually. <laughs> I just told them what you thought yeah, right off the bat, so that, you know, we, we couldn't break tradition on that. So. Yes, of course. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. And then on top of that, on account that we, uh, we were just talking before we started recording that... Uh, we're trying to watch movies we don't have to necessarily pay for, you know, because shelling out three dollars every week, you know, gets expensive. So it's breaking the bank, man. Start this off. This my part of the review um, with an ad break. Um, accustomed to, you know, we watched this on Amazon Prime and they had ads throughout of it. So I'm going to start it with uh, a farmer's insurance ad because that's where most oh, people know where J.K. Simmons is from. So if you guys want to do the, the our farmers. Um, we are not sponsored, by the way. We are not. If you want to be <laughs> but if you want to. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's an incredible movie. J.K. Simmons is very deserving of his, his Oscar because uh, he is freaking crazy. He is batshit throughout this. But it's like a measured um, like intensity. Like you could never tell if he's just doing stuff to mess with Miles or like if he's, he's actually trying to... Uh, obviously throughout he's trying to get the best out of him, but uh, we'll talk about this later. Is like, what, is that the best avenue to get the best results out of people? Um, mm-hmm. and I think it was interesting because it's almost like a sports movie in a way mm-hmm. uh, because uh, it's, it's that dynamic between like a player and a coach, and in this case, the drummer and the orchestra conductor or the, the, the band leader, um, and just seeing how far you can push someone to get the best results. Um, in lieu of, you know, losing the rest of yourself. And I think it was kind of funny that halfway through the movie, they were having that dinner scene with like his cousins or whatever. And they're like, I'm a third, I'm a D3 quarterback. Like I'm <laughs> skinned, got the 93 yard touchdown. Like, What'd you do, band geek? And he's like, I'd rather have no friends and die of heroin overdose at 35 and known as like a god in music than you yeah. know, what you're doing. And I think that was kind of fun because is poking at, like, you know, remember the Titans or whatever, you know, sports cliche movie. It's, it's kind of a similar um, ethos in that way. But yeah, I thought it was an incredible movie. I think it was incredibly compelling. If it was just clips of J.K. Simmons yelling, just creative, you know, in multiple <laughs> people, I would watch that nonstop. But it was like, I mean, if you, you can tell that it's kind of a, it's a cheap movie, but it's not, because I think they only made it for like $3 million. Um, Oh wow! However, it, you you can never tell that it's like not well made uh, because it's all just scenes within like the the studio room, which looks really nice. And then, I, I think the biggest budget they had was probably big J.K. Simmons and probably the car crash scene. <laughs> oh yeah, um, but yeah, it's it's incredible. Um, I, I recommend it to anyone, especially if you love music or if you you've played music. I feel like this is an, a no brainer for a recommendation for anyone. Thanks, Colin. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree with you on a lot of those points. And I love J.K. Simmons in this movie. He's just Although, so good. 
I will say the difference between a movie full of J.K. Simmons hurling creative insults. Oh no! Wow, that's never happened before. Uh, <laughs> Just run it back and we'll cut it. Okay, okay. Don't worry, man. We'll fix <laughs> as it. As I was saying, we'll as I was part. saying, uh, the the difference between like a creative uh, insults slur by J.K. Simmons um, versus like the movie that we actually got is, I feel like that would actually be comedic. But in this movie, my heart was pounding like the whole time. It's exactly. so intense. It's so intense. Yeah. It's it's the most anxiety I think I get. Like I, <laughs> it's funny because you texted me earlier, like oh we're watching Whiplash this week. And I was like oh yeah I love that movie, and then I completely forget that every time I watch it I get like a mini panic attack. And I got to like a certain point in the movie where I'm like oh yeah the car crash scene happens, and I completely forget all the build up to it. And like it's just oh and like. The scenes with like he's dunking his hands in the ice water, I think it really. I know, so intense. Um, yeah. So the first time I watched it, I watched it with like, my family and my mom. I think it was like a it was like a weekend. Um, she was like folding laundry or something, and she was like, "Nope, I can't, I can't do this." Like she was like, no, no, sorry. She was watching it with us. She was like, "I can go do something else." So she just picked a random chore. She's like, "I'm gonna do full. I'm just gonna fold some laundry. I can't watch <laughs> this." She's like freaking out. So. Yeah. Um. So Chad, what did you think about this movie? Well, I agree with a lot of the stuff that Colin was saying. I'd also like to preface this at the very beginning with like, I am not musical in any any <laughs> terms whatsoever. I can't read music, never played an instrument. I've never had one lesson on one instrument ever in my life. So I thought there were a lot of things that I really, really liked. I also found it really difficult to relate to the characters throughout the film just because like i have no experience in this realm like the whole idea of like like relentlessly practicing something until you like literally can't go on or like putting yourself through the struggles that they go through in the pursuit of like perfection or something i'm like like especially for music i'm like i can't relate and like yeah you can definitely tell that a lot of this film was like a love story to like music and jazz and like playing and I, I can appreciate like how good the music was throughout the movie but definitely there were parts where like when they're playing again and again and again and again i'm like i don't really know if there's anything different between the two takes or like if one of them is actually better than the other like i have no context for like who's a better drummer like are they yeah. not playing at the right tempo like it, which like they say like one of these like one of those trumpets is out of tune i'm like that's a thing I've heard before. Like, I know people say that when they play music, but that's a thing. Yeah. yeah. So like, there, it was definitely tough for me to like follow some of these like musical elements, but like from a filmmaking perspective, I thought it was great, like really well acted. I know we talked about that a lot. Some really, really cool edits. I thought like, you know, we were talking like when he's dunking his hand in the, in the ice and like the blood's coming out and like some of the real close ups when he's like drumming and the, and the, some of the like, the pivot like cuts when they're like swinging back and forth between two people. Like, yes, I, I thought there was some really, really cool filmmaking put into this. Um, also really, really did enjoy like the, the character development, the, the like process that they go through and the story that they told, I thought was really interesting. I thought, you know, I know we'll, we'll touch on it later, but like the whole crux of the movie and like what they're trying to answer of like, is it worth it to do this to yourself? I thought was really a, an interesting story to try and tell. So yeah, if it was like maybe in a different context, I think I would have liked it a little bit more because it was tough for me to relate, but I thought everything else that they were putting on it, all the dressing, 
um, all of the technical like filmmaking skills, the characters, all of that stuff, I really, really enjoyed. But uh, it was definitely tough for me to get into it and really be feeling it throughout the movie. Yeah, that's a really good point, Chad, because I know that in my experience with like being in Glee Club and singing and performing throughout my life, uh, I've never been on this level or even remotely close, but I've definitely been in a level where we have to fine tune even just single notes that people are singing. Um, and it, it becomes a, a grueling process. Um, and to have someone who's so vicious in the room being the person that's critiquing would be really, really stressful. So I can see why, you know, not having that background would definitely lessen the impact of this movie a little bit. Um, but it comes back to that scene where they're at the dinner table and he said, and, and the one kid says to him, well, isn't it subjective? It's just music. And he just looks him straight in the eye. He's like, no, no, yeah, not so at all. That, that was definitely a thing where I'm like, I don't like, I know that there's definitely, you can say like, oh, like they maybe played the wrong notes or they were out of pitch or like someone was missing like off beat or something. But it's like, when I listened to everything throughout the entire movie, it was like, sounds perfect. Nailed it. Yeah. Great. Like, couldn't pick out a thing that went wrong the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, like, I don't have the sheet music to compare. And even if I did, I couldn't read it. So, yeah. Be like, be like, oh, yes. Yes. Playing a totally different song. And I'd be like, yes, perfect. Nailing it. Yeah. All right. Uh, Hunter, what did you think about this movie? I, I absolutely loved it. I was, I unlike, uh, unlike Chad, I was, I'm a little musical. I was in an orchestra for seven years. I played uh, violin for three in middle school, and then I switched over to bass, and I played bass for the other four. And I would have gotten destroyed by J.K. Simmons, solely because <laughs> in orchestra, I was an absolute goofball. I did not take it very seriously. Even though I love music and I'm practicing very hard at guitar right now, I did not take orchestra seriously. I was in it with my, one of my best friends, and we would joke around all the time. And there was one specific scenario that I remember that I fear if I was in his in his jazz group uh, where I was goofing around and I had the bass standing up in my hand and I'm standing at the back of the orchestra and I'm turning to the right and I'm talking to my friend and I'm laughing and all of a sudden I let go of the bass and it just falls down and just slams on the floor and the whole orchestra turns and just looks at me. And our conductor who might not have been the biggest fan of me, um, just stared at me. And I will never forget that moment. And I think of that multiplied by 50 in his jazz <laughs> group. And I'm just like, nope, nope, nope. Uh, so yeah, I felt I felt that stress. So you dropped though, the bass. Yeah, I literally dropped the bass. There was, there was a bass drop. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I dropped it. I dropped it, and and that was uh, that was easily uh, a very iconic moment in my music group. But wow. I thought <laughs> that uh, that feeling of stress and having the conductor look over at you and knowing that you have to play better or that you played something out of tune and that you're not playing good enough, I relate to that. But I think we also all can relate to that in any work that we do. It doesn't necessarily have to be music. It can be anything we're working on, whether it's working on a design project or it's working on an accounting project or anything, actually. It's just refining our craft of what we do and working to get better. And so I think we can, anybody can relate to this movie in those terms. But Yeah, Chad. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can relate to this in something. Yeah, Chad, get some empathy. I'm, I'm so sorry. Next <laughs> next time I'm watching Whiplash, I'll think to myself, if I only pursued accounting as strong and with as much ferocity as these people pursued music, maybe I would be the greatest accountant in the world. <laughs> but that's that, that's what I loved about this movie, because I don't want to repeat what everyone else has said. I agree. It was shot beautifully. Uh, the acting was phenomenal. Uh, three things I'll talk about is one, this was actually a short film made in 2013 that actually won the Sundance Festival. And mm. it was so good that people thought that this should actually be a real movie. And along those lines, they, one thought it was good, but people didn't necessarily get the whole story right. It was only really the snippet of Neil uh, Neilman going into, I, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. I believe it's uh andrew you're talking about yeah, andrew? Oh, andrew yeah andrew andrew his first time in the jazz group that was really the the, sh the short film not a lot of mm -hmm. people got it so they expanded this into a full budget movie for 3.3 million dollars and then they grossed over 130 which is wild nice. um, but i just think that that story is phenomenal so that that's the first thing the second thing that i wanted to talk about is i absolutely loved some of the <laughs> cinematography when it comes to Andrew was sitting down and he is playing his drums. And then when he's told that he doesn't get the part, he gets up and the camera as well moves to from a stand to being held by hand. And you can see the shaky cam and it yeah. makes you feel that sense of anxiety because all of a sudden you're going from a set place to the camera shaking as he's moving and you you're able to connect with him. And I thought there were certain points in the movie that just did that so, so well. That's and then the third. Yeah, I love that. And the third is what we're going to talk about in a little bit is uh, the idea of being pushed. And uh, I just really, I really enjoyed that theme. And especially the quote, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, is the most harmful two words. Uh, or there are no two words in the English language more harmful than good job. Uh -huh. uh, that was quite standout. And I am really excited to talk about that uh, in a little bit. Awesome. All right. Well, we can't go on without hearing from Beard. Speaking of Andrew. <laughs> yes. Um, great name for the protagonist, I, I got to admit. <laughs> of course. Um, of course. <laughs> Amazing name. I haven't heard Nobody. of that name for protagonist yet. So. <laughs> um, all right. This movie is fantastic. I, I really, really enjoy this. Um, albeit, like you guys said, it is very stressful, but in a good way. Um, and it's kind of interesting how they, they make that stress um, kind of appealing. It's like, you're, you're like uncomfortable watching it, but it's in like such a, an intimate way that um, it really elicits the feeling that they want to portray. Mm -hmm. um, so I really like that about it. Um, I like what you said, Colin, about like comparing this movie to sports because that was kind of a parallel that I drew on as well because I was, I was, I was in both. I, I was also in orchestra like Connor was, but I also played baseball for like 10 years. Mm. Um, and when I got to high school and played high school baseball, I was so much worse than everybody else because, <laughs> um, you know, they all played like travel and club baseball. And like, I was just really far behind. Um, I couldn't catch up. And so I would like, I would get yelled at by a lot of coaches when I messed up and things like that. And it was hard to endure that and, and make it through the whole season like that. Um, but, you know, it wasn't my passion like it was for um, Andrew in the movie. So, you mm -hmm. know, I, I, I eventually said, oh, okay, you know, this is too much. I can't do this anymore. Um, so it's interesting to see the links that people go to do that. Um, and I know that's, that's something that Hunter mentioned as well. Um, other interesting things, I, 
it wasn't until I watched this movie where I realized that, you know, this it's it's a it's a movie about power, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. and and trying um, and it's like a, a struggle between Andrew and Fletcher. Um, but what I think is interesting is that for the members in the ensemble, they're they are intentionally yielding all their power to their conductor or their director, right? Mm-hmm. And like if you think about it like how many other times in like anything in movies or in life do people like purposely give up all their power and and completely submit themselves to whatever this other person's doing like it's usually the other way around usually people are competing for power and like and eventually that's what it becomes in this movie but like you know his approval means so much that andrew will like do he, he will like cause physical harm to himself he will go to like any length to, to achieve that which I, I just thought was interesting yeah. um another note that i read i think from like wiki or something was about how this kind of breaks from the typical like music prodigy trope where you know there's like i don't know somebody who's like incredibly talented in music and they have like i don't know maybe some kind of personal struggle but like it's usually cast in a much more positive light mm-hmm. and you know, the, mm. their determination at their craft is usually presented in it um, much more positively. Whereas here it's, it focuses much more on the negatives and, the, and how toxic it is um, to, in, in the performing arts and these kinds of things. Yeah. Um, so a lot of, it, it was, it was a real thinker. Um, and That's a really good was, point. It, and just a, a fantastic movie overall. So very good. Hunter and I, Hunter and I, and I mean, you might've read this book too. Uh, it's called Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. I um, love that book. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty popular book. And I mean, it came out like uh, almost like a dozen, two dozen years ago. So, uh, no, that's not right. Uh, whatever. No. <laughs> yeah, just like, math. Math. Okay. It was like, it came out a baker's dozen and a half years ago. Uh, <laughs> right, so I was thinking a dozen was 10 years ago for some reason. Anyway, uh, it came out many years ago. Enough. What? Enough with these years. Um, all right, we're definitely cutting that. <laughs> oh, you bet. <laughs> okay. Okay. But anyway, this movie or this book is talking about the ten thousand hour rule, which is basically uh, not a hard and fast rule, but the the gist is that if you do something for ten thousand hours of dedicated work, you will become a quote unquote master. Uh, thank you, Hunter. It came out in two thousand eight. So, actually, a dozen years ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you betcha. I was so close. I was actually right the first time, I think. But um, uh, so anyway, 10,000 hour rule. This is what it really made me think of in this movie because, you know, he's really putting in all that effort day after day after day. He's the reason he, he gets discovered in the first place is because he's in the practice room putting in that extra effort when other people aren't. And, and it shows that other people around him are just partying and doing random stuff, but he's always willing to put in that effort. So. Um, I think that also kind of goes against the prodigy mindset that like some people just have innate skills um, while other people, well, it shows the other side of the coin that he's like really putting in that extra effort. Mm-hmm. I agree completely. I think that that is just such a, such a main theme of this movie when it comes to showing how a growth mindset is more important than sort of the fixed mindset with the prodigy with seeing that just because you're in the group doesn't mean you're great. 
yeah because you're there just because they said hey you're you're a freshman come come be the alternate in in the jazz group that doesn't mean you you have automatically deserved to be there you have to earn it and i think that's shown very well when andrew is rushing to get to the show and he's late and he gets there and he says no this is my part i earned it i deserved it and he feels like he truly has because before he's been scared of jk simmons and at that moment that was a very big moment when he stood up to him as well as when they brought the other alternate in there is he's standing up to him because he knows that he's good enough to play that he knows he says i put in the work to do this and i feel confident enough because i put in that work not just i deserve to be here because i i've been practicing with the group he's put in the extra hours and i think that's a fantastic theme with this and builds off of um the whole quote of good job is being some of the worst words in the English language because if you say good job that kind of says okay you did good now yeah. you, now you can take a rest and, oh I, yeah, I don't I, I don't like like this old we'll talk about this later but I don't really agree with his pushing of, of people in that way I guess David maybe you can okay talk yeah let me just get into this let me just get yeah so basically this week we want to do sort of new segment of the show called this week's big question so this is a segment we're going to try and capture the major question asked by the movie we watched, as well as attempting to answer it given the context of the film. This week's big question is brought to you by my fiance, Sammy. So she asked after the movie, right, was Fletcher right for doing the things he did and pursuing his methods? Or are those who say he went too far the ones that are correct? Discuss. Okay. Um, <laughs> is it okay if I just kind of pick up where I was left off? Or? Go ahead. <laughs> Thank you for the other ad break. <laughs> You're um, welcome. <laughs> I was gonna say I I feel like you can be you can be hard on people, and I feel like you definitely need to, you know, instruct people where they're they're failing, but you don't have to like break them down, and you don't have to like diminish them. You don't have to like haul insights insults at people because that's that's instead of like building them up based on like their character and like, oh, you've been working hard. I want you to know that you can, you can continue to work harder. You, if you just, you know, insult them and say they're awful and you just need to work harder, <clears throat> that's not going to, you know, add anything to them like mentally, like their, their viewpoint of themselves aren't going to change. And if anything, it's just going to like have people hate them. You're going to be like, oh, I'm doing this in lieu of you. Like in spite, that's why I'm so good at drums now. Cause I, I hate you and you've been, you know, hauling insights at me and yeah, I'm really good at drums now, but like, what have I given up? And I feel like that's really what this movie's portraying is like uh, the dangers of obsession. And yes, you can be really good. And this can apply to other things like, you know, Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan are, were famous for being just otherworldly competitors and like, like kind of similar to this where they're just completely obsessive and they don't care about anything else. And they, you know, like I'm the best one ever. I'm going to like prove it to everyone else. And then they're famous for being complete assholes that no one wants to hang out with other than the fact they're good at basketball. So I don't know. I, maybe it's, it's something about performative arts or performative sports that I don't understand, but from the outside, I don't, I don't feel like it's worth it. Like, yeah, he got the drum still at the end was incredible, but I, is it is it really worth it? Like, yeah, he might get first chair in drums or something later on for, you know, the the Lincoln Center. But I don't know. It, giving up so much of yourself to do so, I don't think it's worth it. 
it's interesting. I feel like you broadened the question beyond just, is this a method that's viable to, is it worth it to be great? Um, and like, are, is it worth it to go through the extra, like the extra, I guess, pain and suffering in order to get there? And I guess the first question is, is it, is this necessary? Like, right. is it necessary for Fletcher's methods to be in use in order to achieve greatness? To which I would say the film kind of doesn't really answer that question. Because right. if Fletcher hadn't done what he had done, we wouldn't have seen the film the way it transpired, you know? Right. Um, I also wouldn't say that Fletcher was intentional with everything he did. Like, I think at the end, someone asked this earlier, you know, was Fletcher trying to, like, purposefully push him beyond with the with this mix-up and not telling him what music they were going to play? I think, no. I think he was honestly just trying to get back at him. That yep. was a purely revenge move. <laughs> Right. Um, but I think like, I think that even his revenge move, because it came from him, pushed Andrew beyond where he was and just forced him to confront, uh, and, and overcome, you right. know, I think that ended up making him a greater drummer. Um, but that was not intentional. And so that I think that the film is kind of saying greatness can't be intentionally crafted. It just kind of happens. Hmm. Is that are you talking about like how when Simmons was talking to uh, Andrew, um, he was saying like oh, I, I haven't had a, I think it was like a Charlie Barker. Yes, I, I haven't had a Birdman yet or Yardbird was the the guy. Um, I think I mean I think it just shows like you can propel people to be great and you can instill in them like the the importance of practice and all these positive attributes without having them hate you. Like <laughs> I'm seeing. Yeah. There's tons of, you know, outstanding athletes, outstanding musicians that have been coached with positive reinforcement as opposed to negative reinforcement. Like, yeah, I'm assuming like LeBron James coach in high school, like was, was it like a complete asshole to him? I think <laughs> I will, I will say one other thing that this movie really is very interesting for this movie is directed by the same person and written by the same person who wrote and directed La La Land. Yep. So mm -hmm. like, La La Land, we talked about these themes of love and passion for the craft, you know, like, you know, they just really love jazz and they love acting and they don't want them to die. And so they're going to put their passion to it. It was a much different story than this, which is like, he loves, J I mean, Fletcher loves jazz and doesn't want jazz to die, but he goes about it in a very different way in that he believes that if jazz is going to survive, there needs to be more greats. And in order for there to be more greats, he needs to be the one who creates them because the only way to create a great in his mind is to push them beyond the bounds of what anyone should be expected to endure. Right. Quote, throw a symbol at his head. Yeah. yeah. David, I think that's really interesting because I think really like Fletcher overstates his own role in creating greats, in my opinion. Yeah. Because when I'm watching at the very beginning of the movie, Neiman's already in there doing yes. some extra work, trying to yes. make himself better. He already has the mindset of, I want to be the best. I want to be the greatest. Fletcher comes in and is like, I'm going to push you. I'm going to break you. I'm going to make you great. Neiman was already doing that. I mean, yeah. it's right. hard to tell Like, if Fletcher was completely removed from the movie, would Neiman have gotten to the point where he's able to do that solo that he does at the end? Yeah. But I think he might have actually been able to get there on his own. I think some people right. have... You know, if you're going to be that great, like if you're going to be Kobe Bryant, you're going to go in and you're going to do the work without someone breaking you down and screaming in your face because you want to do that yourself. 
you know, mm-hmm. I, I remember this interview, I, Colin, I thought it was great that you brought up Kobe because I was thinking about it yesterday. I was like, this is the same thing I remember hearing about Kobe where an opposing player like showed up to the gym like super early in the morning. He's like, I'm going to go in. I'm going to get some reps in before the game. Kobe's already there, like full sweat, like been clearly working out, doing game time moves. The opposing player goes through his whole workout, then leaves, and Kobe's still there like doing the work and stuff. After the game, this player goes up to Kobe and he's like, hey, man, like, why were you in there for so long? Like, we had a game today. Like, what was going on? And Kobe was like, I just wanted you to know that however hard you worked, I was going to work harder and longer than you. And oh it's like, my God. like I, there's no coach there, like, yelling at Kobe, like, you suck. You're terrible at basketball. Like, you missed that shot. You're the worst. It's like, Kobe was just like, I'm like the greatest of all time and I'm just going to prove it by being like the best and most dedicated. And I think if you're really going to like be that great, you do it on your own. Like, I don't think like, I don't necessarily think that everybody who's ever achieved greatness, like had someone in their ear, constantly berating them, breaking them down, telling them that they're terrible and like having to overcome that. You know, I think some people find something that they love so much that they're willing to give up everything else to pursue it. And they're willing to just go for that completely on their own. Maybe Neiman doesn't get there. Maybe he doesn't have it. He needs someone there doing that. But I don't necessarily think that everybody needs that. So I think it's important always. Pointing out like, you know, oh, you were slow on this. Instead of having them drum until two in the morning. Yeah, I could see that completely discouraging some of the greats. I mean, if you're like the best ever, but that's not what you respond to as a person. Like maybe you respond much better to like positive reinforcement. I mean, you, right. he might have been discouraging some of the greatest artists ever by like discouraging right. them from stopping to pursue their craft. Exactly. Yeah. But you see, I think that was like his whole point was that he like, his point was he went to all these lengths because he, he's thinking if somebody's really the greatest or that good, then they won't be discouraged. And that's that's that was his justification. And like I, I think you bring up a, a great point, Chad, because I I I agree that I um, Fletcher was probably like giving himself too much credit. <laughs> like the greats would become greats, you know, whether he was there or not. But um, and and like to that point, I think to answer David's question, I, I think we could probably all agree that like J.K. Simmons went too far, right? I mean, somebody killed himself because of yeah, because Fletcher was like so abusive. Yeah. But like. I think maybe a, another way to look at this question is, was Fletcher in the right for being unapologetic about his method? Um, even though we can all say that it was wrong. Like, what was his mindset right in, in why he did these things? Um, I also think no. But <laughs> I was say, like, no, he, he even admitted himself that he hasn't had a good player. Yeah. <laughs> so. Although at the end, he kind of changed it. Did you see the the, the words he mouthed? You can't oh. see his mouth, but you see his eyes, and he says, "Good job." Right, that is true. No. The very final shot. Oh, that's, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so, yeah, but I don't, I don't give Fletcher credit for Neiman's final solo. I think that was all Neiman. I don't either. I don't either. Hold true. Okay, wait. Sure. Hunter's got a thing to say. I, I don't know about that. Hold up. One. Okay. So, I, one, I've got a, I've got a lot of opinions on this. To start off. Yes, he went <laughs> far, but I don't necessarily disagree with this statement about saying that good, saying the words "good job" does harm. Because, yes, you're right. Kobe Bryant, he had that killer instinct. He had that. But not everybody has that. Okay, but what, but there's a difference no, between well, saying good job and, like, you know. No, you're right. There is a difference. But I, I agree with the good job thing, too, Hunter. There's a difference with how we see our potential 
and our motivation to work versus how somebody else pushes us. Because there's uh, David Goggins, right? The 40% rule. He says that when you are ready to quit, when you are done, you're only 40% there. And it takes somebody else to push us over that 40%. And if you look at everybody in the world, there is a reason why there are few greats and not a lot of greats. That's because of the people that are willing to go above and beyond. And it's either going to take yourself to push yourself to stay up that late, to work harder, or it's going to take somebody else to motivate you. And if you have pushed yourself and you are up till 11 o'clock, right, you're tired, you want to go home, you want to go to sleep, your hand's bleeding, and somebody says, yeah, that was good. And there's not those little tweaks you can make to make it that much better. Or no, there are little tweaks, but they don't point them out. Then you're going to go home. You're going to sleep. You're going to say, yeah, I did a good job versus the other person that's working, working their butt off. Same thing with Kobe Bryant, Larry Bird. Larry Bird set up a basketball hoop in his backyard and was, was, was shooting shots. And he's shooting late and it's dinner time, and the sun sets and he said, man, there's somebody else on the West Coast right now shooting hoops right now and getting more reps in than me. So he installs a light. And when, when he does that, then he, he takes even more reps. But again, he did that himself. Mm. We don't all have that. And I think that it's important that we have somebody else to push us through that. And I can also say this, that I've been fortunate enough to have, what I can, have somebody, have a, have a mentor that, that has pushed me that has totally pushed me um, back, back, back in school, pushed me to be better, has criticized my work in a good mm-hmm. way. And I have been a better person because of that, because I think there's a difference between criticism that's degrading and criticism that is helpful. That's you know, and, and, and I would love to hear from you guys. I'll talk a little about the college stuff in a little bit, because I don't want to hog all the time, but I want to have that conversation about criticism and feedback that is honest but promotes you to work harder and isn't necessarily degrading because i think that's the sweet spot in yeah that of someone and i think that i think that we can all agree on that um but like is it going to get you to greatness i think is the real question like just because someone doesn't tell you good job you know like i, I think there's a gradient and at the end is like someone who's just praising you, giving you trophies for, for participating, you know, the, the, the whole like participation culture versus someone who's literally hurling chairs at your head and put and psychologically manipulating you to the point where you're willing to get in a car crash and then keep running and because you because you want to succeed so bad and get this person's approval, even though they'll never give it to you. And right. I think that like on the far end, we're asking, is this good like is this necessary and i think i've kind of come to the conclusion no because as the movie says he never truly succeeded and he never really of his own volition created another great even through those methods but i'm not saying that there's somewhere in between that's better you know or that's that's not like necessary i think that you're right to have someone who's not going to just tell you good job and is going to keep critiquing you um, and keep forcing you to be better that's absolutely necessary to become good or great at anything um i don't think that you can get good if someone's always just telling you oh yeah you did great even though you lost like you know better luck next time you know that's that's not going to help you improve i will also say that this brings up the question 
does greatness really require you to give up on everything else in your life? You know, like how he broke up with Nicole because he gave that whole story about how he's going to spend not enough time with her and then she's going to resent him. And she's like, are you sure about that? 100%. And he's like, yes. It's like, I think she raised a great question. How can you be sure if you don't right. put in the effort, you know, if you don't put in the time to make both of these things work? Right. I think he was just immature in his, because I think a good relationship will, will help him, you know, grow and do better. And obviously like this is a weirder example because it's such a time um, like sap. It takes so much time to practice and get better. And I'm assuming he's like, he didn't sleep much and you would just constantly be, playing drums and maybe that's what his feed that's what his viewpoint was but i feel like i mean like a good relationship you should be able to like help you do better in the things that you want to do um but yeah i think maybe that wasn't the right relationship for him because right. she wasn't really like driven in in that same way and didn't really understand him exactly um, but that's not to say that you couldn't have a successful relationship Right. With the right person. Right. I think someone that understands similar space that you're in. I think they were just two different of people. I think yeah. he was like, oh, that girl's cute at the the movie thing. I go in there a lot. I mean, like, hey, you know, when right. you go to the movies all the time. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, go ahead, Hunter. Oh, no, I was going to say, yeah, I, I flip flop on that a little bit because on one hand, I, I agree that I just don't think they were right for each other. I think... But I also think that Andrew, yes, he was totally socially awkward. But I feel like that was that was definitely by choice. You know, he he wasn't necessarily socially awkward in the in the jazz ensemble when interacting with J.K. Simmons. But he was he forcefully removed himself from certain social situations, such as with Nicole. And I think that if it was somebody else that had similar interests, for example, mm -hmm. when he's when he's listening to the song, he says, uh, Bob Ellis on the drums. If if she responded, oh, yeah, Bob Ellis was spitting all these facts and loved his passion as much as he did. I think the relationship would have been totally different. Right. To be fair, though, can you have a relationship with someone who wants to die at the age of 34 to a heroin, heroin overdose? just to get to the status of greatness. Like they're, that's what they're willing to do. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that person is willing to sacrifice everything, their life right. just to be remembered at the dinner table by random strangers. Right. That's not the kind of person that you want to form a, a loving relationship with. And if right. they did, if he did end up having a loving relationship with someone that would just end up corrupting his dream, you know, right. like he would have to give up some of that dream in order to make a relationship work. And that's honestly kind of true. It's funny, like I'm, um, because Yeva, my girlfriend's in academia, she's getting her master's and our roommate is getting a PhD. And it's crazy how it's kind of similar, you know, upper education is very similar in that way. Like people give up so much of their lives to like get, you know, a doctorate, you know, and be, you know, super specialized in like the most narrow of bandwidth of, you know, education like i am the expert in you know clam mating patterns in the northeast of the united states yeah. like yeah dude you're the, that's the, the dream that but like is it worth it i think that's maybe what this story is trying to tell is like there's certain things that people will just never understand that 
people get so obsessive about that they'll give up everything to do so. And there's yeah. people who are also there that are in the same ecosystem as that, such as J.K. Simmons, who is just power hungry, right? It's all about power dynamic. And it, it sounds like he himself was probably like, you know, wanted to be one of the greats and just never attained it. So he wants to be, you know, ruling over this ensemble and it's just a power dynamic. Yeah, and he kind of wants to be a part of the story. Right. And if, I don't know what, it doesn't say what Andrew's rest of the story is, but like he could go, probably go down the same road, right? Where he could be like, oh yeah, that's what, he pushed me super hard and really broke me down and made me hate myself and almost gave up drumming. But now look how great I am at drumming. So mm-hmm. then that cycle continues because if he ever becomes a band leader, he'll start chucking chairs at people and mm-hmm. that, that might, might not be good. And then obviously that's how like people's relationships with other aspects, you know, continue, you know, yeah. abusive relationships, stuff like that, where yeah. it's, it's like, oh, that's how I grew up. So that's how I'm supposed to treat my kids. And you're like, no, that's not just because that's, that's how you experience life before. It doesn't mean good. Yeah. Hunter, I just want to point out that I love your sweater. It's oh. like got all these musical notes. Thank you. On yeah. It. It's perfect themed for today. Oh, is that the I, Beatles? You know it. <laughs> road, I was walking down Beatle elves walking down heavy road. <laughs> Even though this is probably airing in February. <laughs> I just I just realized that now. But yeah, that's the, true, but it's still got the musical notes, you know, it's, <laughs> it's still relevant. Yeah. So Bill Colin, actually building off your point. I wanted to talk about this, especially since we're all young and we're still on this topic of last week because um, we seem to be loving one movies about jazz and two movies. Yeah. So (laughs) building off of last week, you know, the statistic is that we're we're all going to spend around a third of our lives working right about about 90,000 hours. So knowing that and knowing and Andrew, not beard. Uh, no one will necessarily want to well, <laughs> no get so sad is, is <laughs> and knowing that he doesn't want because at a, at a moment in this movie you see him working at the deli when he's when after he's out of the ensemble you see him doing something else and he does not just look like he's loving life so my question is yes Andrew pushed himself to the limit to be great and harmed himself and did all of that which is i want i want to say he totally went too far in the case of hurting himself and the relationship was super abusive and toxic and not okay but seeing that he worked to pursue his dream and he dedicated his life for that and for for honing his craft would we do something similar similar to the people in academia would you guys be doing something similar be dedicating all this time if you knew it was the difference between doing something that you loved in life and doing something that you didn't love i i i'll hop in here cuz i think this is a really interesting question and something that you know i don't know about you guys but i definitely think a lot about where i think about what do I spend so much of my week doing and, and with work and, and all of these things. And I constantly think to myself, like if I didn't have to worry about like paying my rent and like buying groceries, it's like, what, what would I be doing? You know? Yeah. And I think for a lot of people, it is kind of difficult to answer that question. Cause I know like me personally, it's like, I don't have, you know, like I don't have my like drumming where it's like, if I could do this thing all day, every day, that is all I would do. Like, I don't have one thing where I would just dive all in and dedicate all of my time to do because I love it so much. Like, I am still 
trying to pick up new hobbies and try different things because I like trying different experiences and trying different things. And I think it's really, really interesting because like, sure, I like have a job, good job, stable job, make a good income, like, you know, definitely things I would complain about, like every other job on the planet. But I view that as more of a means to have the opportunities to do some of the other things I like, whether that's being, you know, outdoors and backpacking, whether that's joining a rock climbing gym to, you know, do something like that, whether it's taking like languages in a foreign lesson or a foreign language, or whether it's having time on weekends to, you know, come on here and talk about movies and stuff like that, or being able to, you know, rent a movie on Amazon. Like, I think it's really difficult for a lot of people. And maybe I'm, I'm off and all of you guys are like, Oh, I would do one thing for the rest of my life without any problem. But for me, I'm much more of like, I don't know what I would want to do or dedicate all of my time to. And I don't know if I like would necessarily like, Oh, if I, I don't have a plan where like, if I went back and got this master's and this PhD, I could spend all of my time doing this. Yeah. And I think that's why maybe another reason that I really struggled to get into this movie so much is I've never had that passion where I'm like, I would relentlessly pursue this to the absolute ends of the earth and forsake everything else in order to do that. Yeah. And I think about some of the relationships that I have as well. And I think about how much weight those have for me and I would never sacrifice those in order to pursue anything that I've ever come across in life. Like I would never jeopardize my relationship with my fiance or stop seeing my parents or my like stop talking to you guys. Like those things are so much more important to me than anything that I've come across in life that it's like, it's really difficult for me to rationalize the pursuit of like something else as being that important. I don't think I would feel fulfilled doing something like that if that makes sense but I'm, yeah. I'm curious what you guys think or if i'm just kind of like off Chad, base in my own Chad, little world these are some deep no you're totally right Chad. deep thoughts and you know what um i will say that this is a thought that i have been really really pondering as well um i don't know if you've ever read the book the four hour work week um it's pretty popular with people that are you know trying to make their way in the world and that book really prompts this question um and so, yeah, we will definitely have to discuss that um, at another time, probably, because that will be a very, very good discussion. Um, but to answer your question, Hunter, uh, I think, yeah, if I knew exactly what I wanted to do, kind of on the opposite side of what Chad's saying, <laughs> Chad's basically saying, as far as I'm concerned, that when you don't know, you just kind of got to go with the flow until you do know. And Mm -hmm. I would agree that if I did know, then yeah, I would probably pursue that with full steam, Um, which is kind of why I think like, like Chad's saying, most of us just end up pursuing lots of different hobbies, trying to figure it out. Um, There's this other book called The Element, uh, written by Sir Robert. I love how David's like, I agree with Chad wholeheartedly, except he's wrong. Sir Ken Robinson. Except okay. I completely disagree. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, would, I agree with him 100%. I have a passion, so you don't understand. Sir Ken Robinson, he talks about the element and how finding your element uh, can allow you to per, like feel happy, even if it's not what you do as your day job. Um, but people still pursue them with full force. Um, so, I don't know. There's a lot of interesting points in this in this uh thought train 
This is getting so off topic. <laughs> yeah, sure. so we really <laughs> come away from the movie. <laughs> yeah, this well, is this is like provoked some very deep and my like, my apologies. Uh, <laughs> but I like where this is going. I, I enjoy this. I, I I think that this yes, it's a little different from our typical conversation, but and we can either choose to include what I'm about to say in the podcast or we can cut it. Um, but I think that this offers our twelve viewers. Um, a little something, a little something different, and also allows <laughs> us to kind of break that barrier down between being just a movie podcast and kind of opening ourselves a little personally. Mm-hmm. I'd also like to add in, like, I find it really impressive when art can lead to these types of discussions, and I think the fact that we're talking about this because we all happen to watch this movie this week, huge testament to the filmmaking because I think that these are some of the questions that the film wants you to ask yourself. So, right. you know, I'll bring it, I'll bring it full circle back to the movie, but <laughs> isn't, isn't, I, I think that's a really cool piece about what, you know, why we have art. It's to capture emotions that are very difficult to talk about that you might not necessarily wrestle with on a daily basis. And I think the fact that we're having a conversation about, you know, what do we all want to do with our lives and what is the meaning of being fulfilled and happy because we watched a movie about relentlessly pursuing something like, <laughs> You know, props to the movie for yeah, evoking yeah, some of those yeah. emotions. Shout out to Whitney. Yeah, honestly, so agree. Yeah. Chad, I can see it first, now. The time I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just got to chop that conversation off. I just, I kind of panicked because it's so, it's so deep that I didn't know what to do with it. Um, <laughs> but I think we should definitely continue to, to think about that and discuss it um, at a different time because I just, don't I don't feel prepared to have that conversation right now. We could make a whole nother spin-off podcast about a bunch of 24-year-olds contemplating life and having a quarter life crisis. Dude, that's so true. Amped about life. <laughs> there we go. It's, it's, Every week it, we it all writes, try a new hobby. It writes itself. <laughs> it writes itself, dude. That's so true. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking the same thing, Chad. Um Okay, so let's go around and give our final scores of the movie. Uh, we'll start with Chad, just to give him back the floor. I feel like I robbed it from him. No, no, no. I, I had made my point. Um, okay. I thought definitely some really strong points. A lot of the stuff that we talked about, acting phenomenal. I thought it was you know pretty impactful, considering what we you know have just recently been talking about. Um, great cinematography and stuff uh, along those lines, but definitely a little bit tough for me to get in there. So I didn't rate it super high and like enjoyability for me. Like, I don't think I would go back and and rewatch it. And I didn't necessarily enjoy feeling as like anxious throughout the entire film as I would have with some others. Mm -hmm. Um, And to me, I I think the soundtrack was good, but I couldn't really rate it that high because I'm not a super (laughs) talented jazz musician. So I ended up giving it a, a 78. I think it came in, um, similar to a lot of the ones that we've seen, I think it was very close to Zodiac, um, and uh, definitely above like Rushmore and stuff from the last few weeks. So I liked it. I thought it was good, but I didn't rate it as one of my absolute favorites. So what did you come at the final rating score? Oh, 78. 78. All right. Uh, Beard, what did you rate this movie? Yeah. It's someone who likes Rushmore because apparently Chad. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I do love Rushmore, and I also loved this movie. Now, to your point, Chad, I did like this one better, and I thought it was like more profound than Rushmore, but only by two points in my book. I, I gave it an 84, um, a very solid score. Um, that would come in at uh, 26 on my list. 
So that's that's mm. pretty high. Um, yeah. I gave it like mostly eights and nines across the board. Um, and it, it also like I, I realized there's like a big cluster in my list around um, like the low 20s that of like a bunch of movies we've watched. So like Parasite 19, Spotlight 22, La La Land 23, Whiplash 26, Rushmore 30. So yeah, it's wow. uh, it, it is up there with some of the best movies I think that we've watched on this podcast. Um, so very solid. Cool. Um, I'll just jump in there and say I rated this movie an 88 at my final score. Um, I really like this movie a lot, but I will agree with Chad. The enjoyability score suffered because of how stressed this movie made me. Like, I don't think I could just pop this on on any given night. Uh, you kind of have to get ready for it. Um, but the cinematography, the music, the character development were all spectacular. Um, I mean, the ending scene made me cry, but not because I was emotional, but uh, in a sad way, because I cried because it was just so powerful. Like all the musicians in top form, the shots just capturing all their minute movements. Like Hunter said, uh, he and I have been practicing guitar a lot lately, um, just kind of trying to motivate each other. And I mean, the amount of intense practice to achieve this level of proficiency is just mm -hmm. amplified in my understanding given the amount of time i've been putting in trying to learn the guitar and how feebly i can play compared to these people uh so that's just just whoever said it was like a sports movie very accurate because the, the incredible performances um that these people are able to pull off just moved me to tears so yeah i give it an 88 definitely just an incredible movie uh hunter sorry to put you on the spot <laughs> no i'm fine with that um yeah I, I i'm i'm thrilled to give my rating now so i gave i i absolutely love this movie i was really able to connect to it i didn't talk a lot about this in the in the our whole review episode but i i really kind of was like this a little bit my senior year of college specifically specifically the last semester of school i basically dedicated half of my life second semester to one to a few projects and I loved it and so I can I can connect with this on the sense of working to improve and accomplish something and then having that feeling of finally getting it at the end mm -hmm. and just pushing yourself to the limit um, so I, I really connected with it I thought overall some of the top things that stood out for me was the overall plot. I thought the plot of the movie was great. And looking at the conversations that we have, I think it really shines in that impact and profoundness category when it comes to what are we left thinking after the movie? Because you can enjoy a movie for two hours and not think about it for the rest of your life. But we're mm -hmm. sitting here talking about this movie days after we watched it. And I feel like we're going to be continually thinking about it. So I think that's great props to the whole team, the directors, the actors, to everybody. Um, mm -hmm. My score, I gave this movie a Buddy Rich, Max Roach, <laughs> out of 100. These, uh, this was an absolutely <laughs> phenomenal movie, super enjoyable. Uh, talking about the all-time greats of jazz, I think this was an all-time great music movie when it comes to that and just a, and just a movie of grit and of accomplishment. Uh, actual score... I gave it on I gave it an 89. I thought it was phenomenal. I think it deserves more than an 89. But with our complex rating system, it has gone out to an 89. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. I hear that. Um, Colin, 
Why don't yeah. you bring us home? What did you, what did you rate this yeah, movie? Yeah, I gave it a nine out of ten. I really like it. Solid. Um, I think it was really compelling. I think it was uh, the running time is kind of short for a movie like this. It was pretty succinct. Like I yeah. think it was like an hour and forty minutes, and it's it it has almost no downtime. It's all just the relationship between uh, Andrew and J.K. Simmons, and obviously his just obsession and nothing really more like obviously it was enough of everything to show like of him kind of losing himself to his passion um yeah i love the movie uh it, it, it creates like a very visceral sensation that i have of like anxiety when i watch it so yeah. obviously it does a great job doing that jk simmons is just conductor darth vader he's incredible um <laughs> yeah i think it's a great movie i think my favorite shot in it is when Andrew's at the end, like when he's like drumming his heart out, and he's killing it, and he just mouths like "f you" to Jake. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I don't know. I I, I remember watching that again. Like, um, I rewatched it. And I was like, oh, that's the, the coolest thing I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, love the movie. Um, I think, like I said at the top of the the episode, I think that it is passionate about you know music or sports or or what have you. Um, I feel like is a it's a necessary viewing to to watch this movie. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed this discussion and maybe you learned a few things or took a few lessons home. Uh, if you enjoyed, please leave a rating on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out. Um, but otherwise, thank you and have a great rest of your week. Peace.